Good morning, Sangha. Can you all hear me? Wonderful. So, let's meditate. I want to say that um, I have been using the transcripts of um, the Venerable Analio's Seven Spokes of Satipatthana, which are essentially his guide to the four foundations of mindfulness. And the Venerable Analio is this really wonderful um, German monk. He got his PhD in Sri Lanka, uh, investigating the four foundations of mindfulness, the Satipatthana Sutta, which is where it's from. And guess what? He lives right up the road. <laughs> he lives right outside of the Berry Center for Buddhist Studies. So IMS is supporting him. And he's a prolific, prolific writer. And all, have, all of his stuff is free. And um, at the end of the retreat, all of us will give you resources. And uh, I have a link to where you can download all of his free guided meditations and all of his free books and articles. So don't worry too much about having to catch it all right now. Analio, so that's whose um, guided meditations I've been reading. And I want to point out that um, the tips last night for uh, developing the seven factors of awakening is from a uh, Buddhist commentary that was written about a thousand years after the Buddha. Wasn't it? A thousand years? by a wonderful monk called Buddhaghosa. And um, we'll be talking more about resources, but just wanted to say that. To attribute all of the uh, things I'm talking about correctly. So, I can feel a tickle in my heart right now. <laughs> Let's come into a whole body awareness We are aware of the body in the sitting posture and we let the mind rest on the body just as the body rests on the cushion or chair. And without losing this embodied presence of mindfulness, we will now proceed through the spokes of the wheel of Satipatthana mindfulness meditation. But before we take a, before, let's take a moment to formulate our intention. Why are we doing this? To further our own well-being and to be able to commit to reducing suffering for all beings in all directions. So holding the body in awareness, 
Let's do a body scan. Starting with the top of our heads, we know here we have anatomical parts and also elements. We don't have to feel them just to remind the mind and heart and chitta that we are part of nature. Starting with our head, sides of our head, our face, just feeling whatever sensations are available. Top of our head, back of our head. Thank you, head. Skin, flesh and bones. Earth, water, fire and air. Moving to the top of our spine at the, on our neck, the back of our skull. Feeling the beginning of our spine and our neck. Moving to our shoulders. Just feeling whatever sensations are offered. Moving to our upper arms. And our elbows. And our lower arms. And our hands. Thank you, hands. Holding our arms and hands in awareness. Moving to our upper torso. Lots of elements here. Lots of body parts. What sensations are being known? Moving to our lower torso. We can feel the wind element, air element at the belly. This is an excellent anchor. If you want to come back to that that after we scan. This is where a lot of anatomical parts are. A lot of elements. Moving to our pelvic area. Feeling the hardness, earth element of our bones on the chair or the cushion.
and our upper legs. Just feeling the sensations. Maybe zero, zeroing in if there's a particular stronger feeling somewhere in the upper leg. To the knees. Thank you, knees. And to the lower legs. And to our ankles and to our feet. Holding the legs and feet in awareness. Coming back into a whole body awareness. Thank you, body. Thank you. What's the Vedana of this body? Any pleasant sensations? Any unpleasant sensations? Any neutral sensations? Just knowing that with our awareness, with our mindfulness. holding our whole body in awareness. And what about the mind? What thoughts are arising? Can we see the beginning of a thought? Of a desire or an aversion? Any sleepiness or restlessness?
Now holding the whole body in awareness, let's put a frame around our sati, our mindfulness, knowing, being present in this moment with clarity, objectivity, Is there any interest or investigation in the mind, in the body? Putting a frame around it. I see you interest in investigation. Thank you. effort. What does effort feel like? This investigation and effort was established with our mindfulness practice. That is what caused it to arise. This benevolence, this very wholesome internal well-being. Effort. We have perseverance, we have energy, and we can arouse joy. Do you feel any joy? That's absolutely fine. Yes or no, doesn't matter. Just being present. Maybe we have joy that the mind is temporarily free of the hindrances. And this wholesome joy leads naturally to tranquility and calm. Can we feel that? putting a loving awareness frame around tranquility and calm.
and this leads to the mind becoming concentrated, collected, Our awareness is very happy to be present at this moment. And as our mind becomes concentrated and collected, it is the cause for balance to arise, for equipoise, equanimity to arise. These are the seven factors of awakening. They may be just tiny little buds, but however small, however small they may be, Every bud can grow into a flower. And all of us who have awakening factors in the mind are capable of awakening. We are capable of flowering into awakening if we keep cultivating these qualities. Mindfulness, investigation, energy, joy, tranquility, concentration, and equanimity. And as we investigate these seven factors and balancing them out, if there's more arousing than tranquility or more tranquility than arousing, we open our practice. Open awareness at any of the six sense doors Whatever manifests, we are aware of it. And with open awareness of anything that happens at any of the six sense doors, we keep noticing impermanence, changing phenomena, arising and passing away. arising and passing away.
allowing the flow of impermanence to wash away our passions, wash away our attachments, wash away our clinging. See if you can notice the ending of things as they arise. Look for the endings.
and it's probable that the mind does wander to yesterday, last year, or tomorrow, next year, just with loving awareness, I see you mind, let's come back to right here, right now, strengthening our present moment awareness. What's right here, right now? Is there interest or investigation present? May investigation arise. Effort. May effort arise. May joy arise. calm and tranquility.
concentration. May tranquility and concentration arise and equanimity. Balancing our factors. Not I, not mine, not self.
So we have a few minutes for any questions anyone might have. <laughs> That's interest, right? That's investigation. <laughs> Actually, my question is about interest in investigation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I understand um, the way you're using the, the words because, to my mind, that sounds like uh, discursive conceptual thinking. So. No, I think it's uh, data collection. <laughs> it's uh, it can be non-conceptual data collection. Just uh, you know, what's in the heart, mind, body right now. And uh, you can have a concept to name what it is, but you definitely just want to engage with it. Uh, investigation, interest, all of the seven factors really are part of chitta, you know, a deeper knowing that definitely doesn't have to be conceptual at all. You know, you can use a few concepts to keep you targeted and there. That's an excellent use of concepts to do that. But when you're uh, investigating, you don't need to use a lot of words or wonder about, oh, I read this here or I heard that there. <laughs> it's like right here, right now. Just collecting the data of, for example, for me in this sit, actually it was interesting because I felt a lot of tranquility and there was investigation there. It wasn't, it didn't, you know, produce a lot of concepts, but then I felt, oh my gosh, chitta, you know, chitta, this awareness that um, the way some of our beloved monks and nuns talk about it, that you know, there is awareness like the sixth jhana and each of us have a part of that in ourselves. That's what, you know, that's what we're knowing from. And uh, I just felt sitting in there for a while, it was pretty nice. And I didn't have a lot of concepts about it. Of course, you know, thoughts came and went as well. What am I going to say next? <laughs> What's, you know, what is needed right now? <laughs> So those absolutely arose, but I saw that too. Does that make sense? Yes, thank you. Yeah. Anybody else? This one back there. Thank you. Thank you uh, so much for all that you've given us over at the retreat. Um, it's I have, the Buddha. <laughs> I have been um, really contemplating and trying to understand uh, the first noble truth, which is um, suffering. I've come here after two years of profound losses oh, and wow. um, uh, I signed up, I guess, almost a year ago to come. So it was timely, and um, I wonder um, when we talk about um, not having attachments, um, that seems uh, near impossible, as well as not suffering, um, because we're attached to this earth, right, through gravity, <laughs> yeah. and we are attached when we are in our mother's wombs and when we come out, we need that attachment to survive. Yep. And um, 
then on an emotional level, right, when our loved ones die, we're attached to them and we suffer as we watch them die if we have that um, occur. Um, but then we still um, suffer, right? There's always going to be suffering. So I'm confused sometimes when we say, you know, to end suffering because then I would wonder if that would end humanity, right? Because it seems like that's a given that we're going to suffer because we're going to have attachments because we're social beings. So that's something that I keep mulling over in my head, like how could I not have attachments? I've given birth to two children. I, I love my animals. You know, I've watched them die and... So I don't know. That's a big question for me. I, I, I'm grappling with that as I'm, you know, trying to understand the Dharma and um, what you all have been teaching. Well, first of all, sadhu, sadhu. <laughs> it seems like you're having an insight over the first noble truth, that that's really showing up for you. And that's really an important insight to have and to be able to see that so clearly. And... Um, yeah, I think you're absolutely seeing that very clearly. And uh, the practice doesn't change what's happening in the conditioned world, conditioned existence, which is, you know, everything outside of us. Yes, dukkha is absolutely real. And I bet most of us in this room have experienced huge losses during COVID, the last few years. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> I lost my brother on October 25th. Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So I, I can hear you. Absolutely. And there are very wholesome responses to that. You know, that kind of awareness of dukkha can, you know, make us want to run away from everything, not to get attached to anything or provide love or support to anything because it's going to change you know I mean that's one of the um, underlying uh, reasons for dukkha is that everything is changing all the time and uh, what happens is you know when we can take that in and have an insight about impermanence about unsatisfactoriness about not self what it does is it lets us hold all of that suffering with a deep sense of love and compassion, but also with equanimity. You know, that's really one of the highest spiritual values, and we're absolutely cultivating that right now, to be able to hold losses, deep losses like that, and knowing that, um, you know, we can still love and support and be part of a community and knowing that it's not going to provide us uh, ultimate satisfaction it's not going to be permanent because it's absolutely going to change and it's not personal you know this is not just me this is what everyone in this room is feeling and that sense can um, you know bring us to a, a deeper sense of connectedness to everybody else in the room and can help support the development of equanimity. Do you have anything? I know you guys are thinking, yeah. Here. Hmm? Oh, is that okay? 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? Um, it, it's still, um, it, it still doesn't answer the question of why we're um, asking to end suffering, because suffering is always yeah. going to be there. Right, it is. And I think it's to end, you know, the deep sense of loss and regret and uh, actually to reduce greed, hatred, and delusion, too, because those three are responses to suffering, too. You know, uh, I lost this, so I really have to get that. And it's um, what it provides us is a deeper sense of wisdom of not expecting it to be any other way because that's just the nature of conditioned existence. So, you know, when we can open to that and just see that and not be so, uh, have it not trigger some other, um, you know, unwholesome quality. And if we can sit with it as a community and sit with it with equanimity, you know, that's what it provides. And equanimity does reduce suffering quite a bit. It really does. And, you know, seeing anatta or not-self, you know, having a, um, you know, non-dual perspective or seeing that is deeply, I can't even describe that. It's also deeply, uh, you know, it's a wonderful place to hold all of this dukkha that arises. And I just want to say, you know, I want to hold your dukkha right now with a little bit of love and respect. Let's all cover you with just equanimity, a cloud around you of equanimity. You know, may I accept things just as they are. May I be undisturbed by the coming and going of things. May all of us be that way. And may you be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. Here's one up front with a nice pink mask. <laughs> oh, there's one over here too. Oh, right here, yes, right here. Let's go one, two, is that okay? Yeah. Right over here. I love the gray hairs. <laughs> Hi. Um, it's easier to be mindful when we're doing things slowly or doing just one thing at a time. But there are times when it's appropriate to do things quickly or to do two things at once, like, for instance, watching a toddler and eating your own meal or <laughs> going for a walk with a friend in which you're going to talk as well as walk. Um, so any suggestions about practicing in those situations? Oh, that's beautiful. And... Um, so we, the teachers were just talking about that last night. <laughs> what we're going to talk about for going home. Yeah. So we are absolutely going to give you a lot of, um, you know, practices and advice and resources, absolutely, uh, about how to do all of that. You know, this is an eightfold path, sila samaripanya. It's not just about having deep concentration and trying to... Um, you know, reduce our unwholesome mental factors and increase the wholesome ones. It's also about ethical conduct and about bringing awareness as much as we can to our day-to-day -day life 
you know, being present with a toddler, that's exactly what a toddler needs. Can you imagine having a cloud of loving kindness around a toddler? They probably can feel that. I know my doggy feels it, for sure. <laughs> my doggy is always putting her behind to me and saying, here, scratch here. <laughs> Am I the only one? <laughs> so we'll talk about that. And, you know, uh, see those thoughts arising in you. You know, they're probably maybe, wow, this is really valuable. How do I make sure I have this when I'm gone? Which is a future thought. It's, a, you know, probably a strengthening, you know, love of the Dhamma, but, you know, coming back to what we're feeling right now. Those are great questions, and we were talking about that last night. We will get there for sure. Thank you. Thank you. And right here? Yeah. Thank you. I have a clarifying follow-up question. I've been understanding non-attachment as non-grasping, that we have attachments, but that we're not holding on to them. And so I'm asking if that's a, if that's kind of where the direction that we're going in related to the question that started off the discussion, that it's that, that non-attachment, we have the attachments, but we're not holding on to them. And that's part of how we're, uh, eliminating our suffering. Um, so can you name like what an attachment or two? So, yeah. So our children, our children. Oh yeah. We've got sure. our, our children and we're attached to our children. We love our children. Yes. We have a connection to our children Yeah. and the non-attachment is, I'm asking this as a question. The non-attachment is not grasping that, not wanting, not the greediness, not needing to hold on to that. You're mine. I'm yours. Yeah. Is that the direction that we're talking about? I think so. I mean, none of us have kids. Oh, yes, right. Christina, (laughs) do you want to say something? You know, that would be great. Why don't you come up here and give us some mother wisdom? I'll tell you that uh, for me, you know, I've heard that the equanimity, which is one of the highest spiritual values, is the perfect thing for people whose kids are over 20. (laughs) Because, you know, they're definitely going to do things that we don't particularly support. And, you know, the the refrain for that is, uh, all people are owners of their karma. Their happiness depends on their actions, not on my wishes for them. But with younger kids, absolutely. Yeah, please, go ahead. I think a lot about it as being the difference between the pain level and the suffering level. So having this human heart, you know, we're born into attachment relationships. We do form important bonds. And when those bonds change and shift, such as my, my son is 30 now, so it feels like a long time ago since I was practicing really uh, releasing that sort of deep uh, bond with him. It's changed over time. So there's that pain level of um, being born into human form, having these human hearts, and part of that is the necessity of bonding and developing attachments. But then the suffering level is when we 
um, when, when there's that level of extra clinging on top of it, you know, that we are um, contracting around those natural ways that the heart is bonding. So in some way, it's, it's holding, holding this human heart with an open hand and saying, this is this human heart. When relationships change, when people pass away, there is some grieving with it. And the grieving is not the problem, but it's the contracting around the grieving and saying, this shouldn't be so. Like, we should not have loss. People shouldn't change. Relationships shouldn't change. People shouldn't die. And that's where the equanimity can hold all of that and saying, actually, it's exactly the way it should be. Because this is the human conditioning that... um, that things change, and people will die, and relationships will change. So that's the piece that equanimity can hold. Um, the changing nature of things, and the fact that we cannot actually hold on to these bonds, they will move and change on their own. Thank you, Christina. You know, what came to mind when she was saying those beautiful things is also having kids, you definitely have an obligation and a deep love. And, you know, we just want to make sure that our happiness isn't dependent on them being a certain way, too. You know, they should do this, they should do that. They should like this and not like that. And I think that's probably never the case, right? (laughs) So to be able to hold that and realize that that is not something particular to you and your child. That's the way it is for everybody to realize that there will be a level of unsatisfaction in that relationship. Even though there's deep love going both ways, there will be some dissatisfaction. Things will change all the time. And it's not personal. That's what it means to be a mother with a child and a child with a mother. I think that would be one way to hold that very deep and sacred relationship. That's a very sacred relationship. And that's what we're practicing here for. That's We are in ceremony to be able to do, to even love more and to be there for all of that, for all of our obligations. Thank you for asking that. All of you. I have so much gratitude to all of you because you know what? We are here because you're here. <laughs> Thank you so much for your practice. Just to say there's important, just check the board, 315, there's important Donna talk and manager's talk at that time. So everybody please come at 315. 315. Yes, check the board for the timing. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.